episode 56 of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. We have another great episode today, and joining us is Heather Morgan, CEO of Salesfolk. How's it going? Hi, pretty good. How about yourself, Nick? I can't complain. Just excited to dig into our topic, which I think is going to resonate with probably every single one of our listeners. Our subject today is five steps to sales emails that convert. Everyone has struggled with writing cold sales emails, ones that sound too salesy, ones that are short, long. I think it's a, it's both an art and a science. And I think, uh, Heather, you are the right to walk us through some expert tactics uh, to actually craft some emails for your company that will work. Uh, so without further ado, uh, I just want to give a little bit of little bit of background. Heather, as I said, is the founder and CEO of Salesfolk. Uh, she has been for about three years, but has been in and around the freelance writing and writing sales email, you know, seven plus years. Uh, prior to that, she's, she's held a number of roles, BD manager at Tomatem, uh, 500 startups, She's also a published author, an economist with the World Bank and a range of other organizations. Um, Heather, maybe you can just give our, our listeners a little more color on uh, sales folk and, and some of your past experience. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess I, I came into the sales world a little bit differently than most people. Um, rather than... Uh, having a background in tech or sales, I sort of stumbled into it. So I was living and working abroad, uh, doing various work as an economist. And I was actually in Egypt right after Arab Spring in Cairo. And that's when I decided I wanted to move back to the US. And so I took a job by some strange luck, um, doing business development for an Arab mobile games company, which was Tamatam. But uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I don't really play games, and I didn't know anything about games, and I had no network in that space. So after I got the job, I was told that uh, I was supposed to start conversations with the C-suite in the gaming industry. Wasn't quite sure how to go about that because I didn't have a lot of knowledge or network. And so what I did was basically research my audience and create a couple CSVs um, that met my boss's needs in terms of the contacts I was reaching out to. And I started doing mail merges and I had a 68% response rate from um, my contacts I was reaching out to and I was getting uh, meetings with people like the founder of Good Heart Hero. So it was working really well, and then uh, a number of companies tried to poach me, and given my freelance writing background, I just turned them into clients. And so before I knew that, I had about um, 
customers and that's around the time I decided to start my own company and here we are now about three years later with Salesfolk we've helped uh, probably close to 300 companies with their email campaigns by now. Amazing well you know I heard from many different people that you are the expert when it comes to sales emails so you know I think listeners today uh, you can you can expect to hear how to put that expertise to work and how to craft you know cold email copy for for your company uh, given your startup uh, target market and ideal customers before though we get into the uh, the nitty-gritty uh, why don't uh, why don't you just maybe give us uh, you know a few more points on on sales folk uh, you know who, who should uh, if our listeners have a need should they reach out to you what type of companies do you work with maybe yeah absolutely so uh, basically we help b2b business to business companies uh, create email campaigns for sales prospecting do is work with them to um, define their buyer personas or their ideal customers that they're reaching out to and then we'll craft very focused email campaigns that are relevant to those audiences uh, with a series of eight emails with a couple variants and so that is because we found statistically speaking about one-third of the total responses in a campaign come from emails five through eight so we're helping companies that we work with create email campaigns that uh, help them both test their messaging and also uh, basically create a more scalable and effective and efficient sales process and so these days we're usually mostly working with um, a little bit later stage companies like at least series B uh, all the way to enterprise but if you want tips on cold email you can check out our website we have um, a new course it's called the cold email mastery course and it's on our website uh, and we'll have a link to it later but uh, occasionally I'll do a little bit of hourly consulting but uh, we want to make sure our customers have really good product market fit and so that's why we're usually working with a little bit later stage companies but we work with like Zen Payroll which is now Gusto, uh, Indonero, Lyft, all kinds of startups Great. What's no one listening to this podcast would know about you? That's a great question. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that question. Um, so I guess for me, uh, I'm obsessed with goats. I love goats. And so that's why our logo is an orange goat. <laughs> You've got, uh, I'm sorry, but you have to give us a little bit more color. Where, where did the goat obsession come from? No, I mean, there's definitely a lot of goats in the Middle East, so I definitely saw a lot of them there. I like that goats are very uh, resourceful animals. They can kind of survive anywhere on anything. Uh, and they're also very independent and like sheep. And so I always tell people, don't be a sheep, don't blindly follow, be a goat. Uh, so that's my little joke. I like that. Have, have you ever seen a goat? The YouTube video series? Oh, yeah. Uh, one of our writers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a must watch. Uh, Definitely. 
we'll save that. We'll save Gary the Goat for another podcast. Um, <laughs> but moving into moving to the core of our content today, let's, as we always do, define the problem that we're tackling. Uh, and that problem is cold sales emails that don't convert. Uh, Heather, maybe, you know, you've worked with a range of, of different types of companies. You've probably seen the best and the worst. Uh, what are what are what are the biggest problems uh, that that you see off the bat when you start working with some of the most common? Yeah, so I think there there's a really a huge range of approaches of sales, but um, who aren't as successful are the ones that are trying to just go for volume. And so I know with startups, there's a lot of pressure to grow really fast, uh, but you can't grow really fast by substituting volume for quality. And so every now and then I'll get on a sales call with a company that tells me they want to do really like crazy volume. And for B2B, emailing 10,000 or 100,000 people is kind of crazy volume. Um, and so I'll ask them why they need that kind of volume and they'll, they'll back out the numbers for me and a lot of times you'll see that they're getting like less than a one percent response rate and so if they were doing things Yikes. the right way they might be yeah they might be getting 10 to 30 percent um and so rather than just you know going for crazy volume and sometimes it's like 0.01 percent they could literally uh do like one hundred of the same volume and get better results if they were being a little more thoughtful. Right. And so I think just having a very targeted, yeah, targeted approach uh, and understanding your buyer persona is crucial for that. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you think about it, if you have, you know, you pay for a list with 10,000 leads and you're getting that kind of conversion rate, you're, you're also wasting resources doubly, right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're turning, turning, misusing leads that could be good ones. If, if you mm -hmm. had more compelling content, um, you, you know, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think another problem that's related to that is, um, when people do that, they often have really ge generic and, uh, sort of, I, I wouldn't just say unpersonalized because personalization is important, but I think even worse is having, um, some really generic email messages. And so uh, I see that as being a really big problem. And, you know, the people who would be qualified aren't going to respond to this. Sure. And you also mentioned in our earlier chat that you feel, you know, the gap between the best salespeople and the best outreach and, and you know, the, the bottom of the barrel is actually getting wider. Why, why do you think that is? Yeah, uh, sort of like we were talking about before, I think that there are a lot of great tools out there and there's some really smart and sophisticated salespeople who are using these correctly. But at the same time, you also have people completely misusing them uh, to basically spam and mass blast. And so because we have all these tools at our fingertips now that allow you to really easily do a lot of volume in terms of like, building lists quickly, reaching out quickly with, you know, not just quickly, but to a larger volume than you would have before. Um, 
that's great if you're doing the right thing, but if you're it's just like scaling up doing the wrong thing. And so whereas before someone might have sent like a hundred mediocre emails, they're sending ten thousand terrible emails, which at the end of the day, they all they all end up in our inbox. So uh, it's really important to stand out from all the junk. And so uh, more and more, I think we're seeing an even wider gap of like people who are doing things really well are getting percent, sometimes higher response rate, whereas the people who aren't, kind of like I mentioned before, they're getting you know less than one percent, whereas they used to get two percent or something like that. Yep. I'd also say just anecdotally, and I'm sure everyone feels the same, uh, you know, we all get tons of email these days. And the difference between uh, receiving an email that basically comes off as spam, which makes me angry for, you know, having to, you know, even go through and archive it and seeing a, a creative email, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty different when we're all, for better or worse, spending so much time on our email these days. Um, one interesting thing you mentioned also is, you know, you feel that people really undervalue of doing extensive research beforehand. Um, and I, I think that's a, a very good point. Um, how, how much research do you think people need to do and, and, and what to type? I mean, I know we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about the five steps, but just on a high level. Yeah, so I think it somewhat depends on your audience with how much research and personalization you would want to do. Everyone should be doing some amount of research. And so, uh, you know, if you're going after tier one accounts and every deal that you're trying to close is a million dollar deal, uh, then you should probably be going above and beyond and doing even more research. But just, I guess, for a bare minimum, I think uh, everyone, even if they're sending more mass emails should look at, you know, probably 10 or so contacts from their list that they're reaching out to and parse their LinkedIn profiles, Twitter if they have it, get a sense of uh, what kind of people they are, what keywords would be useful in your email, um, what kind of tone they use in their writing, uh, Look at their recommendations. Those are a pot of gold in terms of how they talk about their peers and how others think of them. Uh, and so all these little things you can use to just get inside your prospect's head and also see how they talk, think, what are their pain points, and what do they care about. Yep, makes sense. Uh, it ties in, ties into your earlier that, you know, all, all cold emails are by no means the same and your email copy really needs to be tailored to your ideal customer profile or your buyer profile. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess just moving on from there, uh, let's, let's, let's actually just dive into, in, into the steps. Yeah. Um, so we, we've laid out here, uh, well, Heather has laid out here five, five steps, a good framework for crafting, copy that will will convert um, so with that Heather why don't, why don't you just walk us through yeah absolutely so step one is kind of what we were already talking about um, to define who your buyer persona or ideal customer profile is 
that you're reaching out to and then research some of those people, like I said, and take notes of it. So step two is after you've done that, uh, you can start to plan your email campaign. And so your email should be very focused. There should only be one email. So whether that's a benefit or a pain point or some other angle, uh, your email should be very tightly focused. And so when you're planning out an eight touch email campaign, it can be kind of daunting um, if you try to just do it one at a time. Uh, and your emails will usually get redundant. So what you should do is take notes when you're doing research, write down about their pain points, about your value props, etc. And then it makes it really easy to sort of architect or plan your campaign. And then, um, I'll actually write above the subject line for each of my emails what the concept is and then I'll start writing and so it just makes it a lot easier that way you don't get stuck or uh, you know sort of fatigued and find yourself repeating yourself in your emails uh, and then step oh go ahead <laughs> no yeah why don't we we'll, yeah. we'll walk through each one of the steps and explain them and then maybe we'll we'll go back to each one and, and maybe talk Perfect. about a, an example yeah it sounds great um, so step three uh, I guess would really be about writing good emails it's more of a tip than a step but um, so the difference between good and bad cold emails is usually um, like I said, how focused they are, um, and at the same time, are they self-focused or not? So a good cold email should focus on your audience and not on you. So you see a lot of people putting um, their own company name in the subject line. That's a no. What you should do instead is try to focus on the targets you're going after. So if you have a custom insert for your prospect's company name, that might go in the subject not your company name. Um, and you want to try to add value in your emails. You want to have them be uh, short and to the point, and you want them to be very conversational. So even if it's a mass email template that's going to hundreds, if not thousands of people, you should be thinking about one person you write for because the tone needs to feel personal and one-on-one -on -one, um, instead of feeling like a mass marketing email. And then uh, I guess the fourth step is, so once you have your email sequence set up, uh, so say you're sending eight emails, I would send them about four days apart. Uh, three to seven days apart is okay, but basically once to twice a week. Um, then you would look at the results of your emails. You can look at the open rate, although that's a little bit vanity because uh, subject lines are not the most important thing. They're important. Uh, what really matters is your response rate and how many appointments are being set. So you want to analyze your emails and see uh, what's working and what's not working and uh, basically how you can improve from there by tripling down on what is and avoiding what isn't. Great. And, um, you know, the, the final step I'll just, I'll just touch on, which is institutionalizing the process to make it repeatable. 
And this is uh, not a particularly deep concept, but it's, it's actually a very important one. Uh, think about uh, Heather's expertise in, in crafting cold sales emails. Uh, you know, that's, that's a particular uh, process to go from, from ground zero to having a great uh, sequence that converts. But, you know, if you're a startup founder, sales leader, uh, you know, SDR, you need a process within your company in order to be able to put that to work. When you bring on a new SDR, a way to train them to understand why the various elements of, of your sequence uh, is important. You need to train them on how to appropriately do that initial buyer persona research. Uh, I mean, you, you may be working with uh, with somebody internally or someone like Heather to, to craft that persona initially. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, you, you, you want to learn this uh, as a skill that your sales team can put to work repeatedly. So it's important, again, to institutionalize that process and really map out how it's put to work in your organization. Uh, also from the perspective of the various tools you're using, uh, whether it's simply a Gmail mail merge or a tool like uh, Tout App or, or Outreach. Uh, obviously, CRM is important consideration. You may have other tools to research your customers like Datanize or BuildWith or DiscoverOrg. So coming back around, once you've got the good copy and institutionalizing it with the proper documentation is quite important. Um, so having laid out those five steps, why don't we just go through them one more time? And Heather, I'll, I'll ask you kind of a few point questions on each one that comes to mind for me, uh, having worked with a number of our, our startups around this sort of thing. So step one, define your buyer persona and do the appropriate research upfront uh, in order to understand uh, their presence on social and you know how to craft, uh, how, how to craft your your tone essentially so when you're doing your research and you're thinking about okay we want to make this email uh, about them you mentioned which i thought was a really interesting point looking at linkedin recommendations um, do you also look at you know if they're active on active on twitter maybe just talk about a few of the sources that you've you've made good use of in the past and how you translate that into concise copy yeah i'll definitely if they're active on it just like you mentioned uh i'll look at you know what have they been tweeting retweeting who are they following all those things um you know there might be articles they have written that they're sharing that is even more rich uh into understanding how they think um, but also just even what kind of content do they share? Are some of those same keywords we're noticing on LinkedIn showing up again? Are there recurring themes? The 10 people I'm looking at on Twitter, are they all sort of talking about the same things? Um, and also, I guess, uh, even looking like at LinkedIn and Twitter, I'll, I'll just pay attention to little things like their profile photo and their tagline and it might be generic and all the same but sometimes it sort of gives you a sense of who you're dealing with like is there 
some cool, weird travel photo, or is it a really professional photo in a suit? And so, you know, these things are not huge, um, but they're little clues into what kind of people they are. And if you see the same thing over and over with a bunch of profiles you're looking at, that's where you start to spot the trends that you can um, use to create an email that's still very that feels personal, uh, that's still going to apply to a large percent of your group. So, for example, ideal, ideal prospect was a CFO at a large organization and they had a very professional presence online and LinkedIn profile that may result in uh, you know, more formal results-oriented copy, whereas if uh, your target is a line of business employee or a developer. Uh, you know that may be more informal and focused on their their rather than professional. Is that would you say that's the case? I mean, possibly. I wouldn't necessarily say that with developers, I would focus on their personal activities rather than professional. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, yeah. But maybe like I mean developers, one thing I've actually seen work really well that we found out from Twitter and other forums they were active on was that there were certain memes that they were using in their conversations on Twitter and elsewhere that made for really good inside jokes for subject lines and intros of emails. And so I'm forgetting exactly what the meme was. It was kind of a strange one. But uh did really well with like systems admin people and security people and so we were we were sending emails for a security company and you know those those people in those roles get those emails all the time and they're boring and so instead of just having it be about the fear the pain point or the value prop we were able to find a meme that a lot of people were using uh, and use it to sort of break the ice. And so that, that's kind of one example of something that you might get when you're doing your research. Great. Well, let's move to step two. And step two is planning your email campaign. Uh, not, only, <clears throat> not only the number of touches, but also uh, planning each email around one benefit and that benefit versus the pain point they may be experiencing. So just to kick off a question or two around this step, how, you, you mentioned eight touches. You know, I've heard six, seven, eight. Either way, the, the clear takeaway is that, you know, I think as you mentioned before, a good chunk of responses can come at the, and then the, the later touches. How do, you, how do you think about planning out that sequence in a way that doesn't, you know, from my perspective, if I'm thinking about writing my sixth touch, I might assume, well, geez, man, this person clearly doesn't want to talk to me. Um, why is that wrong, and how how should you think about positioning your your tone? Uh, that. Yeah. So, if you think about your email campaign. Um you have different people within your audience. And so I think about it almost like a normal curve. And so the first two or three 
you will get responses from the people who are highly interested. Maybe they have a really big pain point that you can solve. Maybe the timing's good. Uh, whatever it is, they're going to respond to you quickly. Uh, everyone else is sort of somewhere in the middle. And so actually also the people who really don't want to respond or don't want you to talk to them will respond in the first few usually. So um, the people who love you and hate you are opted out pretty early on. Uh, and then you're left with everyone else. And so with that in mind, um, basically you have a bunch of people who are either busy and maybe haven't even opened your email yet, uh, or you know they haven't opened your email yet because that subject line or value prop didn't hit them. Uh, it, it resonated with them, and so um, you have a lot of people also that might be reading, but for whatever reason haven't responded yet. And you don't know why. Again, it could be busy. It could be they're not uh, interested enough. And so you have to keep trying different things in order to get to them. And so each of your eight emails should be focusing on They should not be redundant and repetitive like, hey, I'm following up. They should be um, hitting different messages. And so I like to think of fishing. So if you're going fishing in a pond, there's different fish in that pond. And so it's sort of analogous to a buyer persona. So I'm fishing in a pond. I know I have one buyer persona, but even within that buyer persona, uh, there's different kinds of personalities and different people have different pain points and priorities. And so just might have different kinds of fish in the pond and different fish like different things. And so you might try a worm an egg, a spinner, and just like that, uh, different things will work with your audience. And so for some people, they might be more driven by fear or their pain point, and other people might be driven better by more positive uh, messages. That and not everyone has the same pain points or, or cares about the same priorities, and so you need to try different ones throughout your email. So just as a quick rapid fire, maybe let's toss out some various types of benefits you may focus on. I mean, obviously, uh, could be could be cost, could be speed. Any others come to mind? Just real quick, just to give the listeners some examples. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really so many. It could be eliminating risk. Um, it could be, uh, you know some kind of efficiency issue, so not just speed, but like some kind of task that you have to do very manually that's very painful that people dislike doing that you're automating. Um, I mean, you just have to think about what would get people fired and what do people hate doing? So a lot of software companies are automating repetitive and uh, really unpleasant tasks. So painting a picture of that unpleasant tasks that you know they already hate doing, reminding of that, them of that can be a pain point as well. And final question just on that step. So you mentioned uh, framing the benefits in the light of, of these pain points that your ideal buyer would experience. Do you 
do you ever really focus in on that um, specifically, or do you always want to tie it into your product's benefit? In other words, you know, people often say uh, emotional ad copy, even if it's negative on AdWords, is super successful. Does something like that apply to, to emailing, or is there a downside to having negative, uh, kind of a negative tone, like current, you know, uh, PLM, you know, just take forever and is terrible, or, you know? Yeah, I think you definitely want emotional copy uh, in any case, whether it's positive or negative, because that's just what good copy is. But uh, it really depends on the audience. And so some audiences are moved by fear than others, and others will actually sort of recoil. And so if you're talking to a VP of sales or someone more extroverted, you can usually be a bit more aggressive, not to the point that you are um, a douchebag, but uh, to the point that... Uh, you know, you, you could be more aggressive with them than you could a developer uh, because they're going to recoil a lot more um, and handle that well and get a lot more defensive usually. Right. And so you sort of have to think about your audience. And so when, when you're dealing with people that are uh, more defensive or more introverted or more uh, territorial, you might want to soften the blow a bit. But there's a lot of even subtle ways to do that. And so in general with a copy, if we're talking about something positive, like a benefit that will, um, you know, really help improve the company, like save the company a lot of money, make it more, uh, any benefit really, you want to put it in terms of what I call making the prospect the hero. And so... Um, with that in mind, what you do is you say things like how you can help company, blah, 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 blah. Right. And so you put it in terms of them rather than just like making the company better because it subtly gets attached to their uh, head that they're going to be the hero. Whereas if it's something negative, you try to remove them from it and have them be further away. So, like, uh, you might just use the company, but you wouldn't say your as much. And sometimes you might even say, like, uh, I've heard from other titles in the blah, blah, blah space that da-da-da-da-da is a problem. Yep, yep. And so you, you can do all kinds of things, but, like, distance them uh, from it so they're not as likely to be defensive or rub the wrong way. But the, the truth is you have to test is different. Excellent. Well, that will be a good tie in step four. But before that, let's let's hit step three. And, and I'd like to spend a, f a few minutes on this one. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll just throw out to you uh, a couple of things that I've seen in uh, cold sales emails. And why don't you just into those uh, do's and don'ts and feel free to elaborate as you see fit. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I kind of went over some of them already. What do you want me to go over that I haven't already gone over? Yeah, I think we, we've hit a good number, but I, I just had a couple in the back of my head, and I'll just kind of throw those over to you in a, in a quick lightning round. So one is just length, 
of the, the actual email. So we've talked about, we've talked about um, do you have any actual numbers around that? Like how many words, do you have a, just a ceiling? Uh, what do you tell people? Not exactly words. So I usually, as more of a general rule, I'll say email should be three to five sentences long. Um, obviously those shouldn't be insanely long sentences. But uh, three to five, and I would say sometimes there's cases where they could be six or seven, uh, but those are usually rare. Most of our emails are between three and five, and so people ask, how can you do it? Well, the trick is to focus on, and if you're doing that, you know, everything should be supporting that. So the most simple model would be to have the first sentence be, um, to be the intro or some kind of thing that hooks them in. It could be a question, could be an intriguing statement. The middle is social proof and the end is the call to action. That's it. Got it. And that call to action, you, do you want to include that in every email? Like, do you have five minutes a week? Something along those lines? I mean, yeah, you should have a call to action in every email. I would vary the kinds of so it's not repetitive and redundant in every email right and I would always try to incentivize that call to action so like when do you have five minutes to hear my idea that could possibly triple your sales revenue or when you know do you have time to hear a few tips etc got it and what images or screenshots or the like in emails uh you have to really be careful because the ratio of uh basically text to image can screw up deliverability and also a lot of people those images won't render so if you're depending on them seeing them they might not even see them because they've disabled uh images to load and so yep. I typically do not use them at all, but there are certain instances where they could be appropriate. Typically, it'd be better to give them a link to some landing page rather than have an image in the email. Got it. And in terms of the sequence itself, uh, which is somewhat moving into step four, do you include them all as replies or at some point do you start a new thread? Uh, typically new threads for, for all of them, uh, depends a little bit on your ratio of, uh, open to response rate, but generally most people are getting opens of 50% or less. And so that means that half of your audience didn't see that email and probably they weren't interested in, you don't want to put all your eggs in ba one basket under the same subject line. And, and what about titles? Uh, we'll, we'll go through a few real-world examples in a second. You know, you, you mentioned make it about, make it about your recipient. Um, I mean, how, how far do you, you go with this? Uh, should, you know, should it be a joke? Should you be varying it uh, as much as possible? Obviously, you'll A-B test, but any quick wisdom there on how to think about titles, subject lines, rather? Yeah, so uh, subject lines should grab their attention. And so you want to think about what they care about, but also what's already in their inbox. And so you don't want to look like all the other marketing and sales emails they're getting. So think about, um, you know, what's in your inbox if you're anything like these people. 
probably a lot of marketing emails that are all capital letters with titles of things. So don't, I actually don't capitalize my subject lines because of that and it works better. Uh, also, you don't want to have jargon in your subject lines. Just think about what would get people to open an email uh, and make sure it relates to the body of your email. Otherwise, people will feel misled and be annoyed. Great. Well, you know, I, I think uh, step four cadences, testing, iteration. Everyone knows you need to A-B test. Uh, there are various ways to do that. Necessarily about those tools, and we cover that in others. But uh, I think hopefully listeners get the point there, and you go with the ones that work. Uh, step five. I think I mentioned this earlier, but you know, once you actually do find uh, emails that convert, make sure that you know you have an internal documentation process, training, etc., to make sure it's repeatably usable in your startup. Um, with that, I know we're, we're we're coming to the end of our time here, so. Maybe you would just want to walk us through that, that, that one example you shared with me to close it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll do that. And if anyone wants to see, this is actually from the cold email mastery course. So if you go to uh, salesfolk.com slash email mastery, you can see more of these templates if you create a free account. Um, but anyway, so this is one of the templates uh, that Nick will share with you that we wrote for our client Ambition. They're a Y Combinator company that helped them get new customers. And so the subject line is idea to gamify company's sales team. So you can see that subject line is interesting and intriguing and also promises value. And then the email says, hi, first name, I'd like to share a quick idea with you that has helped clients, and that's the specific clients they have, gamify their sales team and exceed their revenue goals. The concept is fairly simple, or simple and leverages the game mechanics of competitions like fantasy football and has powerful results. When can we have a quick call so I can explain? So you see three sentences that's very focused on this this idea that they're sharing this email is early in the sequence it's email two and mm -hmm. so it's actually a little bit more vague if this email was later on i would probably have really strong social proof with results that they got but i wanted to go with mystery and intrigue and it has something relatable fantasy football that a lot of people would know and so um that, that was sort of the point to that. But uh, yeah, that's about it. And uh, we have resources on the Salesfolk website that you can also check out uh, for more examples of other emails like these. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for taking the time. Everyone, make sure to check out Salesfolk and the Cold Email Mastery course. And with that, we will wrap up. And uh, listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Happy cold emailing.